Super Talk Mississippi media production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new Gud Golf Cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Gud Golf Carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601-748-0454. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coastview. I really enjoyed that conversation with Jeff Duncan. We're lucky to have access to someone of his caliber with uh, NOLA.com of the Times. It's interesting to hear the latest on the Pelicans and the Saints. And, of course, he's just a, a sports, smart sports guy, so it's always great to check in with Jeff. He loves this area. As I mentioned, he's been looking for a house over here for some time. So he may be a resident of coastal Mississippi before it's over with. Hey, speaking of New Orleans, uh, our next guest, David Houston, the executive director for the Orb Keefe Museum of Art in Biloxi, actually was the chief curator at the Ogden Museum in New Orleans back in, in the early 2000s. And uh, boy, you, when you, well, first of all, welcome to Coastview, David. Thanks, Rick. Greg, always great to be with you. It's great to have you have you back. But uh, boy, those you know, you spent some time there. You know, people in New Orleans—they love art and they love their saints, don't they? Oh, no doubt. Um, we had a one of the Bensons on our board, and the year that they won the Super Bowl, um, talking about floating the boat of a wounded city. That did it. And ever since then, they think they're going to do it every year, just like all. <laughs> I know we hope they do. We we hope they do every year. But you know you've uh, you've you've had a lot of experience before you landed here, and I had the pleasure of of uh, visiting with you. We visited a couple of times, but just after you joined the Oro Keith Museum, and we went back and talked about the forty books that you've uh, that you've authored in the exhibit catalog. You've been involved with in the articles on architecture and photography, and when you think about your past, it seemed to me at the time, and I still feel that way today, that you were you're just kind of the perfect fit because of your understanding of the architecture of someone like Frank Gehry and how it sort of intermingles and 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 uh, integrates with this great mad potter of Biloxi, George Orr. And uh, if you look back now, how's it been for you? If you, you're just thinking about since you since you started there. Oh, it's it's been wonderful because you know, I landed the week the museum closed for the COVID lockdown, so that gave me a chance to work on the facility, get some things upgraded, work with the staff. And I knew about the nice, relaxed lifestyle and the good food and quality of life over here. So that was really easy to ease into after New York City. And we've been doing um, a range of national and regional exhibitions. We've opened a community gallery on our second floor. And we're planning an architecture day this April with tours of historically important his buildings and contemporary buildings on the Gulf Coast. So um, architecture is increasingly going to be an important part of what we're doing because we are the custodians of the Pleasant Reed Cottage and this extraordinary Frank Gehry campus. Well, what I... <clears throat> I, I, I like the way you think because 
obviously you get it. You get it, the role that architecture plays in a community, established sense of place. Uh, Julian Rankin and I recently talked about that. I mean, the, the Walter Anderson Museum is doing a lot of work to reach out into the community, to be part of community building and making contributions on so many different dimensions. You certainly are doing that. I, w I actually want to talk a little bit about what I call the George Orr effect, and that says it relates to Walter Anderson, but we'll come back to that in just a second. What's the latest there? What's going on at the Orr Museum these days? Well, it's a good week to be um, chatting with you. Friday night we have, as a community outreach um, program, free movie night. And we put up a big screen outdoors on the plaza and we have um, a wildly different movie each time. We've had a, a couple of science fiction movies. We've had um, a couple of cult movies. And this Friday, we have the Rocky Horror Picture Show, another cult movie. And we have a food truck, beer and wine, and people can bring their own chairs. Uh, and we provide seating. And it's just a chance to come onto the campus it's free and everyone just has a nice relaxed evening and sees some nostalgic movie either for the first time if you're young or if you're not young remembering when you saw it back in the day well what's cool about it by the way i just mentioned at the beginning of the show but you know the weather is interesting this time of year so you'll have these these blasts of cold weather and then you'll have fog and you know reminders that we live in a tropical environment along the way but you know we have a stretch of kind of beautiful weather coming lows in the 40s and highs in the 60s that's going to be exciting for you guys huh perfect movie night and then saturday we have our day of celebration for black history month we have um, special exhibition of self-taught Southern African-American artists in our um, African-American gallery. We're going to have music, special food, the Cosmic Poetry Collective is going to be doing poetry on campus and a DJ will be playing music and we have a new chef in the restaurant called, the restaurant's called Trinity and Chef Joshua Mitchell who is from the East Biloxi area here has taken the helm, and he's going to do a special soul food menu. <laughs> and it's all That's great. Again, Friday night and Saturday, free for everyone, inviting the community to come in. And we do have people that are first timers every time we have a free day. Well, I want to remind people when they ride down Highway 90 and they look up at the at the Oro Keith Museum. What they see are these incredible buildings that are inter intertwined with these trees. And when when Frank Gehry designed the building, he, he said uh, of that that arrangement between the buildings and the trees is that that the buildings were actually literally dancing with the trees. And he went on to say that trees are architecture. They are interest. They're as interesting as any building. It's like if you go to a dance and your dance partner is a tree. She's a pretty partner, so we'll try and waltz her around a bit. So when you look up at when you look up and you see those incredible Frank Gehry designed buildings, and you see those incredible you know live oaks working together, it's a, it's there's a magic in that campus. And do you feel it? Do you get used to it? By the way, do you get to a point where you take it for granted, or do you do you does do people coming there enjoying it for the first time sort of renew your sense of of wonder as it relates to that design? Well, every day when I'm on the campus, 
it's fresh because the reflective qualities in the metal buildings, they reflect the light, they reflect the water. And seasonally, it's very different, but it never loses its magic. And there's a wonderful dialogue woven in between art, nature, and architecture. The way that Orr's twisted, manipulated pottery influenced Gary's design of the galleries and the way that the galleries are intertwined and like you said, Rick, dancing with the trees and create this total environment of art, nature, and architecture just woven together. And you never get over it. It strikes, puts a smile on your face every morning. We think about, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but I'm talking to people who may not have heard us have this conversation before and may wonder about the museum and the connection between George Orr and Frank Gehry. But you think about the iconic, iconic uh, Guggenheim Museum and Balboa and, 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 and I mean, how it's been celebrated around the world in the architecture and just general community. You know, the foundation Louis Vuitton in Paris and this long list of other, uh, we could list them all, but we're lucky to have such an iconic architect engage in this. And it's part of what people see. I mean, the, 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 you had this unique potter that used this thin ability to make this pot so thin that we could twist it without breaking. And I mean, this guy was genius when it came to his pottery, but the relationship between between George Orr and Frank Gehry is really special. And it's this great calling card for people when they come there, isn't it? Oh, it's, we, we have architectural tourists stopping by from abroad just to see the campus. And then we educate them about George Orr, the, the home, hometown hero here. And when I went out for the first time to visit Frank Gehry's office um, outside of Los Angeles, there were four George Orr pots sitting on his plyboard desk, the same plyboard that we have as the interior of our Welcome Center. So what he does is just intertwined. And he said, when I first saw George Orr pot, I knew I had a kindred spirit. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. No doubt, because he he's he's made this whimsical art architecture. He's made it, you know, part of the, the the common person's, you know, I don't know, understanding of great. They may not necessarily understand what it is they're looking at, but when they see it, they say, "Wow, that's special." And that's the same thing with the George Orr pot. This whimsical nature. Well, when they see it, they feel it, and there's a lot of. Yeah emotion and thought in both and both of them take something solid and make it fluid and the way it flows in space is the magic of what they do so we're very very fortunate in coastal mississippi to have so many great artists and i love the this, in, in a lot of respects, if you go into each of the communities, a burgeoning young art community that's emerging, you've got other artists that are being discovered, you're seeing you know, murals that are popping up all across coastal Mississippi. Just, it's just incredible. But when you think about great artists, you can't help but think about Walter Anderson and George Warner. And I've said on the show recently, just just actually just in the last day or two, that what's going to happen with Walter Anderson is similar to what happened with George Orr. I call it the George Orr effect. When we come back, I want I want to talk to an expert on this subject. Uh, this is David Houston, who's the executive director of the Orr Keith Museum, and I want to talk about the Orr effect and how it's going to uh, how it's going to sort of branch over and impact Walter Anderson's art. We'll be back after this break. 
also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have David Houston, Executive Director of the O'Keefe Museum of Art in Biloxi. Listen, if you go back in my career, um, I always I always tried to learn as much as I could about, about art and architecture and creating a sense of place. It wasn't actually until I had the opportunity to work with Andreas Duani, the famed architect and planner from Miami that was involved in the charrettes, these these brainstorming sessions we had after Hurricane Katrina, that I became so much more aware of the of this sense of place that exists in coastal Mississippi. I talk about it all the time. We Each community has its own unique sense of place, and the collection of those sense of places makes coastal Mississippi such a great place. But inside of that though, you we we have we're very lucky in that we have two artists, two famed artists and George Orr, the Mad Potter of Biloxi, and Walter Anderson in Ocean Springs. And both of these guys were, I mean, revolutionary in, in their their prescribed art. Um, but remind people, David, how George Orr was was discovered on the national stage. Well George called himself the potter for the future because he realized that his work was so avant-garde and advanced that the audience for it was not yet born. And when he died in 1918, um, his work was put away above the garage where his sons had automobile and boat motor um, work. And it stayed there until 1972 when James Carpenter came down looking for old cars and was told, well, there are a lot of old pots upstairs. Do you want to see them? And he looked across this sea of George Orr pots and bought them all, took them to New Jersey and immediately found a receptive audience among some of the most important artists of the time, like Jasper Johns and Robert Rauschenberg, architects. And there's an arc from 1972 until two years ago where the larger appreciation of ore just grew and grew. There were books, there were exhibitions, but the moment that was the apotheosis for George Orr is when the Museum of Modern Art in New York City opened their expanded galleries and for the first time mixed pottery, paintings, and sculpture. And George Orr's work was alongside that of Pablo Picasso and the self-taught contemporary, the French artist Henri Rousseau. So they were both visionary geniuses that were very inventive and changed the view of what they were doing. So suddenly he's on parity and side by side with the best known, one of the greatest artists of the 20th century, the humble self-taught guy from Biloxi, Mississippi. And that was the moment that he really um, achieved his goal of the recognition as the greatest art potter of the 20th century. And, and so many years after he had died, and in the case of Walter Anderson, the same sort of thing is beginning to happen now. You've got a new documentary, which is extraordinarily well done. I've watched it a number of times. Every time I see it, I see something different. This great new book. Uh, as uh, Julian said, I think the the uh, the the 
uh, documentary is about to roll out in over 200 markets across the United States. It's uh, it's going to be exciting for 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 Julian and that museum as as America starts to latch on to this unique man and Walter Walter Anderson, which I call again the George Orr effect. But it's going to be exciting, isn't it? Well, it, both of them are, are rowing the same boat. They're Southern eccentrics. They lived in a place where the infrastructure of the art world was well out of their reach, even though they both did get attention in their lifetime because of their extraordinary quality. But books put their compelling stories between covers that people can digest, and every book is new research, new information, and tells us more about these compelling lives, compelling talents. Um, Anderson, of course, uh, a different generation than Orr, but uh, shared when they woke up and opened their eyes, they saw the same world. Isn't that so interesting? And at Julian, you know, as you know, I mean, what a what a bright young leader he is in in the community. But Julian so well articulates this whole notion of how how Walter Anderson immersed himself in the landscape and wanted to become one with the landscape. And some of some of the quotes in in the documentary, I've, I've shared many of them here on Coastview because I'm I'm personally inspired by them about this whole notion of silence. And the more silent you are, the more you hear. And the, and, and the more silent you are, the more you become one with nature and, and how he just, I mean, literally lived his life that way. It's incredible. You know, when you look back at George Orr, do you see the same kind of, uh, of quotes and, and, and visionary, you know, uh, words that he used along the way, or did it speak mostly through his pots? Well, George Orr was a wordsmith. I mean, he, he was a musician, a dancer. He played several instruments in the civic band. But words are critical to understanding George. Um, he made puns. He made poems. He criticized other people complexly through phrases, and they probably didn't even know he was criticizing them. He writes on his pottery. And we have a, a beautiful bisque piece where he is um, incised text into the pots. He's made an anagram of his pottery studio that reads like an abstract piece. But, you know, the Horn Island logs of Walter Anderson are like the Walden of that generation. And Orr's wordplay was much more playful and conceptual. And I think if I had to compare the two, Anderson would say he was one with nature. And Orr would say that his pots is a form of nature in themselves. Well, that's interesting. In a future show, we'll, I want to reflect on some of his words. So we'll do that. You'll, we'll have to exchange some documents with one another, and we'll enjoy that conversation. But anyway, we're at the end of time together. David, this has been David Houston, the Executive Director of the Oral Keith Museum of Lucky. Thank you, buddy, for joining me. Always a pleasure, Rick. Thank you. You bet. Have a great day, and we'll see you on Monday. All right. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.